0: Slash live, or you may tune in to QAC TV's television channel on Atlantic Broadband Cable on Channel 7 or Channel 77. To maintain social distancing, seating will be restricted to invited presenters. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and/or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending the meeting and notify a health care provider. We are screening all meeting participants prior to entering the building. Press and public comment, however, is still encouraged. Citizens can (coughs) now join the live Zoom meeting by going to www.qac.org slash public comment or citizens may email comments to public comment at qac.org or lastly, you can leave a voicemail comment by calling 443 262 4-6-0-1. We will be accepting comments up until approximately 6 p.m. Comments received will be read during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. Citizens may always submit written testimony to the County Commissioners at any time by mail at 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland 21617, or by email at QAC Commissioners and Administrator at QAC.org. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran.
1: I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We're going to take a moment of silence uh, today for all of our entrepreneurs and businesses that are hanging on by a nail. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, we had a uh, brief closed session uh, under Section 3-305B1 of the General Provision Article to discuss personnel. And it was the consensus of the board to appoint Crystal Richard with Thompson and Richard Law Office as our Ethics Commission Attorney, and she'll be replacing uh, now Judge Lynn Knight. All right, so that takes us to the approval of tonight's agenda. The agenda for today's meeting, April 28, 2020, and the regular and closed session minutes from your April 14th meeting were distributed electronically for review. Are there any additions and or corrections?
2: Move to accept, as yes, they are.
0: Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, commissioners. All right, if you want to turn to tab number three for our action items this evening. We have uh, only five tonight. Item number one on page one is the Child Abuse Prevention Month proclamation. Would uh, one of you please read that?
1: All right. Excuse me. I I did it again. Uh, Before we start, Commissioner Dumanel is a little bit under the weather. He's fine. Uh, He's just not here tonight, so I just... That's not Commissioner Dumano, that's Commissioner Wilson. I think my
3: tag got changed. Okay, there you go.
1: Sorry about that, Chris. He gets to the
4: the adult table. That's right. We brought (laughs) him up.
1: We got promoted.
4: All right. Uh, Proclamation 20-16. Whereas today's children represent tomorrow's leaders, and Queen Anne's County remains steadfast in its commitment to ensure the safety and security of our children, families, and communities. And whereas it is a paramount concern to all, the problems of child abuse, neglect, and maltreatment, which endangers vulnerable young lives. And whereas the prevention of child abuse, neglect, and maltreatment requires strong partnerships and cooperation among citizens, organizations, law enforcement, and government agencies. And whereas all citizens of Queen Anne's County share responsibility in preventing child abuse through diligent reporting of suspect cases of child neglect and maltreatment. And whereas the National Child Abuse Prevention Month observed each April, provides a time to raise awareness about child abuse and neglect and to encourage individuals and communities to support children and families. And whereas, Queen Anne's County does not tolerate acts of violence against children and continuously strives to protect them from abuse, neglect, and maltreatment. Now, therefore, we, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do proclaim April 2020 as Child Abuse Prevention Month in Queen Anne's County. Signed by all the commissioners.
5: Thank
0: you moving right along right, moving right along item two on page two is a second proclamation this is for the Queen Anne County Area a- Area Agency on Aging volunteer appreciation can I ha- ask someone to read that please yep
3: <sighs> proclamation 20-19 whereas the Queen Anne's County Area a- Agency on Aging appreciates all the volunteers to give their time and talents to keep the aging office functioning successfully And whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging will show their appreciation by holding their volunteer appreciation event on Tuesday, April 28, 2020 from 1 PM to 3 PM at the Kramer Center in Centerville. And whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging volunteer appreciation attendees will enjoy a meal and be acknowledged for their service over the past year. And whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging continues to celebrate the volunteer appreciation event as one large affair to recognize all the volunteers together. That make the division a success and whereas the queen anne's county area agency on aging last year honored 117 volunteers and whereas the queen anne's county area agency on aging honors volunteers that assist in various areas of the agency such as home delivered meals telephone reassurance ombudsman commission on aging senior center assistance front desk dj data entry kitchen help evening dance music entertainment bingo shopping and callers class instruction, special event help, library maintenance, and so much more. And whereas the Queen Anne's County senior citizens throughout the county benefit from services the volunteers provide and whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging staff also get abundant support from the volunteers and could not function without their support. Now therefore, we the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County recognize and appreciate all the volunteers to give themselves their time and talents to keep the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging functioning for the senior citizens in our community. Signed your Queen Anne's County commissioners. That's a tongue twister. Uh, yes, yeah, it is. Area agency on aging. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
3: It got me a couple times.
0: Hmm. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Move Commissioner right Wilson. On. Okay, moving on. Uh, item three, on page three, we have the draft 2020. Annual Maryland Department of Transportation priority letter, and this is uh, very similar to last year's letter. We do this each year to send to the Secretary of Transportation. Now uh, is Greg Slater, and uh, the top the top projects we have obviously are the uh, uh, the Bay Bridge, the construction of improvements on Route 18 from Castle Marina to arrows a new interchange at 50 at 213 at Chesapeake College, and uh, continue to uh, add grade intersection improvements along the entire 301 corridor so um this is draft for your review as i said it's pretty similar but it is uh, available for signature if uh, you have no other additions so i guess the question is
3: we send the same thing over every year pretty much the same order and we get pretty much the same response back i mean it's i mean i know we have a new secretary of transportation but is there any thought to you when we reach out to him uh, one thing just 50 uh, 213 interchange i think is pie in the sky right now and probably for the foreseeable future because it's going to cost between 60 and 70 million dollars but these uh these 301 accurate intersections are um getting worse obviously right now the traffic volumes are down for for obvious reasons but um, prior to covid The accidents and everything else and, and, you know, the speeds on 301 are just steady climbing. And it's something that will, and we've said it all along, is going to eventually tax our DES units and our volunteers up there, taking them away from where they could be. Because if you're at 301 and uh, Crumpton responds to there, well, they're not on the clock to be able to respond to, or uh, Churchill responds to there, they're not able to respond to their first due right there in Chester Harbor, which is a large population, so it's just, I think, sooner than later we have to start looking at these interchanges. Um, it's a lot of tractor-trailer traffic, it's high-speed traffic, and like I said, uh, the 405 interchange in particular, most of the accidents there take out the guardrails there on a regular basis. I mean, SHA should just buy rubber bands and put around there because there's many guardrails they go through. So. I don't know if it would help, but maybe we need to bump up the priority of the 301 interchanges and maybe we can get something done with those, Maybe whether it's J-turns or whatever they're going to do to try and uh, remedy some of the MAC grades.
1: Well, I don't know that they – I agree with you 100%. We, we, we both know what's going on up there, but I don't think moving it in the queue makes it – it's not like they're saying, well, no, your priority is the Bay Bridge, so we're going to just ignore everything else. I think we get crumbs, and crumbs are what we get. So uh, I think that actually some of the things that we're asking for, that we've always been asking for, that are high priority, that are dangerous and in need of attention, and I think that sometimes that if we can't get those, they do give us the the other things in the queue. So I, I don't know that it needs to be moved up in the queue. I just think it – and we're going to have a meeting with Secretary Absolutely. Slater and – I think that he's. We were supposed
4: to have already had one, right. but because of COVID, it got dumped. Yeah. Right? But
1: I, I think he's more than willing to work with us, and it is a different atmosphere and a different working relationship. And I'm looking forward to it.
4: And, so. and I think we might see with additional COVID yeah. stimulus bills coming from the federal government, maybe a push for some more infrastructure projects. So it could be that more money comes into the state, and, and might make some of these things a reality. Right, well, yeah, I mean,
3: if you, even if you don't get the whole quarter upgrade, if you get oh, yeah. you know, some onesie-twosie stuff exactly. here and there, it makes a difference. Right. Even right. on 18, like right. I said, not everything on 18 would have to be done, but there's certain small things that could be done that aren't the, the big-ticket items that they could probably do and would help in the long run. So maybe that's the better approach is to say, okay, this is what we'd like to see get done if, mm-hmm. if it could. That's, that happens in Ocean City.
2: When when I got to this letter, I called Cahoon up and said, you know, what the hell is the point of this thing at this point? And I asked him, you know, traffic is normally extremely responsive to the economy. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, we don't have any sense yet because we're still dealing with the medical side of it. How much our Bay Bridge traffic is going to get clipped just by the downturn in the economy because... Now we're only getting back to the traffic we had before the 08 meltdown because that knocked it down about 15 or 20% in the 08-010 period. This is going to hit some. I don't, have no idea what, but I'm, I think Cahoon ought to be coming to us as that unrolls and tell us what the hell's going on with our traffic study and the Bay Bridge count once every maybe month or something like that. It'd be interesting to hear from them what's happening.
1: But it's all relative. You know, the traffic's down. Which means people aren't buying gas. They're not getting the gas tax. You're not getting your road
2: money. No, I, no, I mean, so it, thing,
1: it is all tied together.
2: So This thing is, yeah. you're going to get nothing out of this, and you can put whatever you want in, it. it isn't going to change anything. We right. got nothing last year, and we'll get nothing this year.
3: Correct. You know, the big difference, too, is the OA crunch was housing-related and all that. This has got more of a socializing effect to it. So Ocean City now becomes even more of a... Of a Albatross down there because you can't get into large, you know, you can't have a half million people at the beach on, on right now. Sure, you or, can. or you could, <laughs> or or you would, you wouldn't right now based on the laws and the way they are right now. But Not under the
4: current executive orders, so, right?
3: So, so that being the case, uh, in 08, you still had. Three four 400,000 people going to the beach. I mean, you know, on any given weekend because you didn't have these social restraints. But I, I think the social side of it is definitely, you're, you're 100% right. You're going to see probably a third of the traffic that we're used to, if not
2: even less than that. Who knows? Well, I think as the medical melts down, I, the question is, does the economic side of it melt down? or how far it melts down.
3: It's melting down. It's just how far does it melt yeah, down? Exactly. Yeah,
2: exactly. What's that going to do to... A- you know, we're gonna lose ten percent, fifteen percent of the Bay Bridge commuter traffic or
4: Friday night and Sunday night. Be interesting. It'll be something. And even the summertime if the, the disposable income's not there for the even if they're allowed to gather to see Yeah. The disposable income's been hit. They're not gonna have five or you know, thousand dollars to go and do a whole week right. in the Ocean City with a family or whatever.
1: We shall see. Well, can I get a motion? Motion to sign a letter.
2: Second.
4: Second.
1: We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved.
0: Thank you, commissioners. Item 4 on page 7 is resolution 20-09 to place a lien on a property for a nuisance violation, uh, unkept grass.
4: We see these a lot. So, <laughs> I move to approve resolution 20-09 to place a lien on the property listed in the county zoning administrator's memorandum. Dated April twenty eighth, 2020, for a nuisance violation.
2: Second.
1: We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Being none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed?
0: So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item 5 on page 14. This is an um, operating re- request for the uh, housing study. This is a contract award for the affordable housing study to... Uh, Partners for Economic Solutions in the amount of $56,080. And this is a grant-funded project that will evaluate the needs of low-to-moderate income housing levels and outline solutions to increase housing opportunities in the county. So, so.
2: that's not out of our budget? It's grant.
0: This is a grant that uh, Mike Clark received, yes. Mm-hmm.
2: I move to have the Partners
3: for Economic Solutions provide the housing study for the Department of Community Services, Division of Housing and Community Services, in the amount of $56,080. dollars
1: Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. aye.
3: Opposed? So moved. Actually, not really a discussion, but just for a comment. What what kind of time frame are they looking at, Todd? Um, um, to turn this around.
0: You know, I I am not sure. It'll it's going to dovetail with the comprehensive plan update. They wanted to make recommendations. Of course, that's been delayed a bit too. So I I'll, I'll get you a time frame on on this effort, but it's but before
3: uh, the end of the year would be the. Preferable,
0: I
1: would think. Yes. Mm -hmm. And just so, you know, if you don't mind, we'll breeze through some of these other uh, uh, informational items. I just want people to know that uh, Maryland Department of the Environment has uh, approved us for fiscal year 2021 in our capital budget uh, for grant funding of uh, $4 million for the Southern Ken Island Sanitary Project Phase Mm 2. So we got the $4 million from
0: the state to... Complete that, and I think that's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, There's no letter in here. We also were approved for the uh, the Barclay sellersville sewer extension. So that was just – I just found out the so, other day. So that, that was also that's was, was funded. That yes. is awesome. That's so, great. Excellent. So that I can go to contract now and – is it already designed? or Yeah, it's probably, I think it needed a bit of refinement, but it's like 95%. Bar- yeah.
3: yeah, Barclays, the Millington was the one that's kind of like partially designed. right, But Barclays yeah. is but Barclays ready to go. But Barclays is ready to go, yeah. yeah. So Very that's good, good news. Shovel yeah. ready for a few years. That is good news. Yeah. Real good news.
0: Yeah, yeah that was a tab tab four, item number one. So that's that's great news. Awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to cover, no, no, there, Commissioner right? no, no, Thank okay. you.
3: Bring
0: in Jonathan. Okay, uh, commissioners, if you want to turn to tab number six, presentations. We have our director of budget and management, John Seaman, for an overview of our current financial situation and budget. For There he is. Okay, John. And the crowd roars. <sighs> We're good. We're
1: good. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, tab six, item one, commissioners. John's got his presentation here. Thank so we're you. Going to put it up on the screen. Chris, of course.
6: Six feet apart. So the public would know who's <laughs> there. Yeah, right. Wait till he gets going. Good evening, commissioners.
3: There
6: you go. I'm going to talk about. Well, this is the uh, really our first budget work session after the release of the County Administrator's budget, which was on March 24th. And so I'm gonna do kind of a brief overview of things and sort of where they are in terms of the uh, fiscal situation. And And, and for the public, you have up there with you. Oh, uh, this is Brittany Moran. She is a budget analyst and um, does the work. (coughs) The actual work of doing the budget. Um, so I'm going to talk about that and then we're going to hear from Dr. Kane. Our, we have the Board of Ed tonight for um, their budget session. And so they'll have that opportunity. And at the end, I'll kind of go over the schedule a little bit and just talk about kind of where we are and where we are going to be going forward. So, I have presented to you uh, some of this information that you've seen before, but, um, you know, it's kind of a, I think we'd all agree, it's kind of an unusual year. And um, so we released the budget, county administrator budget came out on March 24th, and at that time, uh, we were just kind of getting initial information about what was happening with the pandemic and how that was affecting, uh, you know, county and state revenues. So we had already put together a budget based on, um, sort of normal, I guess what I'll call normal revenue growth, which was actually uh pretty significant revenue growth. Um, to the extent that we had about a five, five at that point, it was about $5 million in growth or about 4% increase. And it was, um, I mean, I've said this before, but it was probably one of the stronger years in terms of, you know, financial growth that we've been seeing since the last recession. Um, But obviously, the slowdown in economic activity will impact, impact our revenue sources, primarily income taxes, which are affected by the number of jobs and by wages... And investment activity. Um, I would say it is still early. We don't have. I don't ha- We don't have any income tax distributions that we've gotten yet since this happened, and we really won't until the end of May. And even the end of May, that distribution reflects January through March. So it won't really be till June that we actually probably see. You know, the first impacts. From um, you know what 's happened to the economy and obviously what 's happened primarily to income tax
2: so can I ask you, Jonathan, on page two the second item where you have twenty two income withholding reduced how how did they get to that because I mean, that seems an unusual figure
6: the twenty two percent doesn't
2: it's probably on the next slide it's coming from upper income people that didn't get laid off well over. that's
6: the state number that's not county oh, okay. that's that's really the only number we have but that's the, the number that the came from the comptroller our
2: remittances are county numbers they're not
6: they we, yes when we get our distributions they're county exactly so, so they right. will reflect
2: so this 22 is not a, a, applicable to our estimates
6: no okay it's Good it's it's it. yeah. That, that's sort of the number. That's the only number we have really, because um, we don't really have county numbers yet. Uh, but I'll show you something in a minute about sort of how the um, how they're calculating the reductions by different category of job class, which is kind of interesting, and we can look at in terms of you know where we fall um, as a county. Uh, so, anyway, we took when we had the county administrator's budget, we didn't do much with the revenues, but as you know, I've done an um, an estimate since then, which we'll also go over and I'll show you, and, you know, where the projections, early as it may be, are reflecting, you know, decreases in the current year, FY20, and then I'm projecting further decreases, um, FY21. Just to point out that, um, you know, we're in a strong position to start with. We have two AAA bond ratings, which is um, very unique for, um, for counties throughout the state and especially for the Eastern Shore. And we also have...
4: And Jonathan, though, just real quick, so the public knows, those AAA bond ratings, we got those after this COVID uh, uh, epidemic hit. So that should, the rating agencies, their faith in the way the county's finances are being handled. I think it's an important thing for the public to understand that as well. This is, that's right. It's not just the prior ratings. These are current ratings.
6: That's correct. And we spend, you know, a fair amount of time with the rating agency, agencies talking specifically about, you know, COVID and what, how our response would be to that. Um, so... We have a substantial rainy day fund. It's $11 million, and a revenue stabilization fund, which is $6 million. And so we're in good shape in terms of um, where we are with uh, our reserves, which is, mm, as much as anything, the reason that we have a AAA bond rating. Um, So we'll go on to – this was sort of the update that I gave you uh, a few weeks ago. And this states that the comptroller is projecting a $2.8 billion write-down or loss of revenue in FY20. Um, They haven't done a projection yet for FY21. We've all been kind of looking for that to see what they think the impact will be, because their estimates are usually pretty good. But we probably won't see that from them for a couple months, from what I understand but they did indicate that there was this 22% loss of withholding uh, right off the bat um, from the income tax collections. The unemployment claims, I'm going to show you a slide on that, which shows that it's reached the same level it had reached in three weeks, um, the same level that it had reached in 36 to 38 weeks in the last several recessions. Um, so the revenue losses that are projected for FY '20, I projected one and a half to two million below the budget in uh, mainly income taxes as well as some other taxes, potentially recordation and transfer, hotel taxes, admission and amusement, and um, potential loss of five to six million dollars below the FY '20 level in FY '21. So, here is the revenue forecast. And so, what you can see, um, is if you look at what we had budgeted in FY20, which was 145 million. And then our estimate, sort of before all this happened, was, as it often is, is that we were going to receive revenue above, we expected to receive revenue over what we would budgeted, particularly in income tax. The next column is the important one. The revised estimated shows what um, I think is going to happen in FY20 uh, based on more current information, which shows the loss of several million dollars in revenue such that we would come in below budget, potentially with a, potentially with a deficit situation in FY20. The FY. The next column is the FY 21. We're saying approved budget. It's really the county administrator's budget, but that was the budget that got up to about 150 million dollars. So there was growth from the FY 20 budget at 145 up to uh, the county administrator's budget was um, about 150. What I've done since then is to revise the FY 21 estimate down to more like $141 million, $141 to $142, which is really a loss of about 8 or $9 million below where we thought we would have been in FY21. And you can see that's mostly in income tax. That's, you know, the big piece of this that we know is affected by, you know, what's happened with the economy. So this is a chart that the Comptroller did, which shows the reductions in withholding by type of industry. So this is interesting. What you're looking at, if you look at the last column, it shows basically negative numbers by different types of industries. I'm saying negative numbers. There's only one positive number in there, which is the last one, public administration, which is basically the government. But you can see the reductions here. Some are around 90 70 to 90 percent reduction in estimated withholdings. And those, the 70 to 90 percent are in the areas such as, you know, accommodations um, and basically the hotel industry, restaurants, those areas which, um, you know, you would expect to see the largest reduction. So what the comptroller was seeing was 70 to 90 percent reductions in withholding in those areas that were, you know, basically um, those that were related to the, you know, accommodations, tourist industry, that sort of thing. Um, So, I mean, we don't have these numbers for Queen Anne's County, but, I mean, we've had discussions about where we think we would be um, and what types of demographics and industry we have here in the county. Um, you can see that, I mean, and we know that there are a lot of people here who go across the bridge who, let's say, and who work for the government. We have a pretty significant um, for that category, and that's the one area here that actually hasn't hasn't gone down, is actually showing an in, a small increase. Um, there's other, I mean, the construction...
7: Jonathan, real quick. Yeah.
3: So I guess, can you uh, enlighten me on... The, when he's saying, okay, for instance, accommodation food services, a 90% reduction in withholding. Um, I mean, we're, what, eight months into the year before COVID hit, so you're going to 90% of the withholding.
6: No, he wasn't. It's not an annual. It was, it was basically year over year for that period of time, basically for a month. So he was just comparing the reduction to what it was a year ago. So So it's it's not not,
1: yearly, it's a a monthly.
6: It's a monthly, yeah. That's not, that doesn't say that's what you're going to lose for the year. You have to convert that into, I mean, you'd have to look at it really by month and see.
3: If you had several months of it, it would be be prorated at 90%. Exactly. Right. All right, because it doesn't say that on here anywhere. It's kind of to assume that it's 90% of the entire year would be.
6: No, that was just showing kind of what the immediate impact was.
3: So every month we're into this, that's the estimate is. And well, that
6: was the estimate at that time. I mean, they'd have to redo it every month. So, I mean, it could get... I don't know. It might have even gotten worse the next month, but, you know, ultimately it would get better. Was
3: so this March? Are you assuming this is March? That
6: was March, yes. March, okay. Uh, so you can see the others, but, I mean, some of the areas, like, where we have construction are not, clearly not as bad. Things like utilities. So there's other... I mean, the retail is not so great either, so... Um, I think that's kind of useful in kind of looking at where we are in terms of what our uh, industries are here. This is the chart that shows the uh, the unemployment claims, and so that blue line is the current unemployment that shows you getting up to the level in three weeks that you got to. With the yellow and orange lines in the last two recessions, which took 36 to 38 weeks to reach that level of unemployment.
3: Now, did they do, my understanding was that they put out something that shows it by industry and by county? Do you have that?
6: I don't have that.
3: DLLR uh, put something out last week, I was told.
6: Um, I haven't seen it either, but... By industry, by county. Well, that yeah. would be good to see. I'll have to look and see if we yeah, can I mean, come curious. up with that.
3: We'd like to know where Queen Anne's County is and what industries here are affected. By right. Us, that I helpful.
6: mean, I think that's... I mean, the key to those numbers, to where our income tax is going to wind up, is really in that information. Right. In terms of what are but the I, industries.
3: Yeah, I understand Dollar put something like
2: that out last week. Um,
6: okay, well, we'll we'll look for it. We'll... Um,
2: So our new claims, from what I heard, were about twelve hundred, something like that. I'm sorry. Our new unemployment claims. Oh yeah. Right. 1,400.
6: I think that sounds right.
2: Okay.
6: Um, Okay. Well, that's really all I'm going to go over. That I've kind of shown you this before. The key, I think, is what is the forecast. And, I mean, just to reiterate that, well, let's talk about that aspect of it, because we had talked about having a flat budget. So if you look at what's in FY21, I mean, a flat budget, if you're going based on what the FY20 budget was, was $145 million. Um So the budget that you have before you has $150 million in it. Um, so in order to get to a flat budget, you'd have to reduce that budget by $5 million. Um, now, I am projecting that actually it's going to be lower than that, but leaving that aside for the moment, um, we, that's basically what we'd be doing over the next, you know, period of time. If we're going to go with a flat budget, we'd have to reduce $5 million from that, um, and I mean I certainly can give you some options for how to do that and um you know we have some things that we put into the budget anticipating that we could do some things such as adding positions and you know salary improvements for county employees which I mean if I were to give you uh you know my proposed what what are you going to how are you going to get the 5 million dollars I'd probably start with those uh, but that's obviously going to be your, sort of your decision over the next month or so is to get from the 150 down to the 145.
1: Steve, I looked it up, 2,700 unemployment claims by Queen Anne's County residents. Total or one week? Excuse me? Total or one week? Oh, no, that's total. Well, it's a running total. doesn't count the last, uh, I think, eight days. So 2,700. Do
2: you have the number of total workforce numbers? What's that? What percent? Do you have any idea what the total workforce is? So we would know what.
1: I know that hospitality is 20% of the workforce in Queen Anne's County. Okay. Restaurants, hospitality is 20%. That's from Economic Development's paperwork.
6: Sorry, Jonathan. That's all right. Um, Total workforce. We have about 25,000 income tax filings, so.
2: So, so twenty-seven would be about ten percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that sounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are parts of the country that have thirty percent unemployed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right.
3: That doesn't, that doesn't reflect local. Uh, sure. because we bedroom community that could be jobs across the bridge, not just local jobs. And that's, it depends on what kind of paying, what kind of paying jobs there right. are too.
2: Right. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm well aware.
6: Right. Oh. So okay, Jonathan. I'm going to move on to the Board of Education, um, and I'll just talk for a couple of minutes, and then Dr. Kane can speak to you about that budget. Um, what I've
1: before you, so before we yeah. talk about the Board of Ed, let's. I mean, I know we discussed this either at the last meeting or the meeting prior. Depending on where we stood at this meeting, we were going to initiate certain things, like for instance, the flat budget, cutting back to getting to that number. Uh, right. But also, I know we discussed a, a hiring freeze, and I know we discussed freezing right. basically all expenses. Yes, do we need to make a motion to do this? I mean, is that would that be the That's way to do this? That's what I would say.
6: I would say if you want to do that, yeah, I would make a motion, because okay. I think it's something that you, you would have to adopt right. as an item. Sure. Go ahead.
3: Do you want all wrapped up into one? So yeah, I, I put it, it in one and then do that one. way. Yep. expenditures. So I make a motion that we freeze all hiring and increased expenditures uh, departmentally. I do. I do, yeah. Second. For like, for like sanitary and EMS? Okay.
2: Yeah. Hang on here. Well, we have a
3: motion and a
1: second, yeah, so we discussion. Can...
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, go ahead. So there are sometimes emergency issues in sanitation and EMS where I don't know that. If you would want to exclude them from a uh, hiring freeze, I'd certainly be happy with the rest. But uh, there are parts of our operation that may not. Well, why don't it. we?
1: Why don't you amend it to critical?
2: Yeah, uh, that, that's critical.
1: Correct. positions to be vetted through the commissioners.
3: Say so, yes. I, I accept your amendment.
1: There you go, Margie. Did you get that? So this way, if there is a critical hire, that's perfect. Send out an email, yep. and you know. Thank you, Mr. Okay. So we have a motion and a second. Any other discussion? As amended. Yeah. As amended? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you. Okay. Now let's get on to the big one.
6: Okay. <laughs> right. Um okay. So this is what the um the Board of Education had presented to us. This is these next couple pages are the increase in their budget, you can see in the red. Let me go to this slide because this tells you this is really Board of Education revenue, which is kind of key to looking at their budget. So you start with FY20, their budget, and, of course, you realize what they, I mean, we always think about it in terms of county funds, but their actual budget is $103 million. So their requested increase was $5.6 million, of which about 5.1 was requested of county funds. So their requested number was about $109 million um, based on some state aid increase and then the $5.6 million, I'm sorry, the $5.1 million they were requesting of the county. What's in the county administrator's budget is maintenance of effort and that is $1.5 million increase. So the budget that you really have before you takes the uh, county contribution up to sixty one million and the board of Ed budget increases by two point one million the combined one point five from the county and then there's state aid increase also so that 's what you 're looking at is um, you know they requested about five point six million more, and what they have now is about two um, so there's a difference there of about $3.5 million that's the difference between their county request and maintenance of effort. So, I mean, if you look at kind of what they requested, I don't know if you can see that very well, but um, this is kind of how it's broken out for them. I would say a couple things. There are 12 new positions that, there are, that are requested there, which I calculated kind of roughly roughly, A little under a million dollars, maybe seven, eight hundred thousand dollars for that, for the new positions. And then there's, I mean, the big line item is uh, negotiated agreements, which is two and a half million. So um, that's sort of one way to start looking at their budget. And this is the other programs that make up that 5.6 million. uh, So you can go over it. But of course, you know, for them as well as for us, most of the Expenses in salaries and so people, so it's the um, you know the compensation increases at two point five million. Of course, is a big piece of that. Um, what what they've requested.
1: So this maintenance of effort still falls pretty much where Kerwin tells us we ought to be.
3: Actually, ahead right now,
1: so we're so ahead. Sixty
3: one, we'd be ahead. Yeah.
1: Okay, so we're so we're within the. The uh, guidelines of the Kerwin, even though we don't know what's going to happen with that, but we're we're in line with the Kerwin. We're giving them maintenance of effort. And again, you know, if the numbers come back and we're wrong and they come back strong, we can always increase. We just can't decrease. It almost messes things up. So very good. Okay. Wasn't there
3: one position? Jonathan, let me ask you, too. Is is this budget was adopted pre-COVID lockdown, Correct.
6: You it that, was right about the, yes, at the time. That budget was done it was COVID. right about at the time that that happened. Right,
3: right, but it, schools were still open and everything else. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So.
6: Yeah, and well, this was released March 24th.
3: Okay. So, that, but so this wouldn't take into account any savings from layoffs and all this year, correct? No. Okay. Would Jack.
2: You, yes, question for you: There were some what ifs on the new Kerwin. If the budget didn't make it, are there any? Are there any hurdles that the old Kerwin would would hit because of the downturn in the economy? <laughs>
3: that belongs to the legislators because they needed $2.8 billion. And now they're down to two point something plus. So now, in essence, you would have to say they have to make four plus billion dollars up. So I, I, I see it being a struggle. I don't know where they're going to get it without raising taxes somewhere and pretty extreme, too, to raise $4 billion in a year. But you got to remember that's total phase-in over the next seven years, but still, the big chunk of it is up front. So, I mean, by 2024 school, 2023 school year, the majority of that money was going to be, uh, in, you know, pushed into the school system. So, yeah, I, I don't, no, I don't think they can get there from where they're at right now. I mean, that's just, Yeah. you know. But it
2: doesn't. This downturn doesn't affect the old Kerwin calculation. Well,
6: there is a, there is a trigger. Right. There you you is some a, type economic of. economic trigger. Right.
3: But no, we're still on pace. Where we're at now, we are on pace with the old at where correct. we sit. And in, in either way, Steve, it, it wouldn't matter to us because with the, um, with, with the escalator in effect for maintenance of effort, we'd still be at the same number. You know, Kerwin really worked out for us to be what we paid in an escalator every year uh, prior. So we were one of the few counties that that actually fell into place. So, but yeah, I mean, as far as old Kerwin, we're good. We're good with the MoE escalator. We're in compliance with all the laws as they stand today. So.
6: So, just one other point: the um, there is also a time frame. Uh, in a state law that allows counties to ask for an exception to maintenance of effort, which I think is April 20, It's passed. Anyway, it happened. I don't remember exactly because there were counties sort of, this was going around through Mako counties were asking. So they asked other counties, they were asking around, are there any counties that are in light of COVID going to ask for a waiver right. to go below maintenance of effort? And there were none that were going below, but, From what I saw, virtually everybody was at maintenance of effort. There might have been, I think Baltimore County is a little above, but other than that, everybody just said we're doing maintenance of effort pretty much across the board. Um, Let's see. Well, that's it really for for the presentation. So that kind of gives you the framework for where we funded the Board of Ed and what their request was. Very good. And um well, let me go over a couple other things. Sort of moving ahead and then I guess we'll bring Dr. Kane in, but I think what you got was a revised schedule. Uh we did change one of the work sessions or actually reduced one of the meetings. So, what we have now is next week on Tuesday, May the 5th, we have a work session with the major departments, and DES, DPW, Sheriff, and Parks and Rec. will be here for that. And following that, um, we dropped one of the work sessions that was on, which was next Thursday. Instead, we're doing that on May the 12th, the following Tuesday, which is a meeting night. Um, and so that work session really we will we'll talk about the capital budget, but you'll need to make some decisions at that time um, in terms of you know having the your proposed budget and then we have the um, public hearing the tax rate hearing is here on May the 26th and beyond that there are a couple more hearings before you adopt the budget so we have kind of pushed everything back a little you know sort of on purpose so that we'd have as much information as possible when you actually adopt so We still have a couple work sessions in June before um, adopting on June the 9th.
3: So just for the audiences, the public hearing scheduled for May 27th will be an all-encompassing...
6: Well, actually, that was an optional public hearing, which is not really scheduled at this time. So So we're just doing the one for the... Right now, yes, we have the 26th, which is our state law-required constant rate tax hearing.
3: But I think the idea is that we can, if depending on technology holding up we would do a public hearing similar to how we're going to do press and public comment tonight? For
6: yes. The it, so it will be through be Zoom. Through be into through your, your
4: household. Zoom it hearing. will be
6: okay. Zoomed and um, we've tested the system and called in so you can do it either with the video or you can do it um, where you just hear the audio but you are able to speak directly during the meeting. Okay.
3: Okay. Um, I don't know how you, the rest of you guys feel, but I would, if we can, do the Zoom public hearing for the budget. I would like to do that. Oh, oh or if the restrictions are lifted, we go back to the oh, meeting. We go back to regular, right? Yeah, regular. Oh, yeah. I mean, At the very that, least, sure. I would like to have a cool. public oh, yeah. hearing. So.
6: Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, I was gonna sit here, but then we were gonna have Dr. Kane. Who's
1: I see here. someone out there, so. He's there. John's out there too. Hmm?
6: There. Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. You asked me to do that. <laughs> kind of like being at the gym. <laughs> Why
4: don't you have Jonathan over here? Oh, yeah, you sit right next to Sure, Dr. thank you. Thank you for the
5: collateral. I'll leave you. <laughs> Good evening Good everybody see that
4: service we clean up and I everything i am you just
5: know it's... appreciative i tell you
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. orgy needs to get one of the big fogging machines
5: to just <laughs> and just clean so
3: everything down. down yeah gas mask and all That's That's Exactly.
5: Good evening. Do a yes. you have it? Okay. Do you, do you have it? On um, I, I wasn't told to put it off. Okay. Right. okay. I'm sorry. You That's have something
6: a... to put on the. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you can go ahead and do that. want to help, Mike? or Do you want
6: me to do that? You have a thumb drive? Somebody. Yep. Do you have something? Yeah. It's, it's over here.
5: Somebody.
7: Two. Oh, it's either the second
1: one or third. For Phil. Since
7: he's not here <laughs> for Phil. Go. Yep. Good to,
2: go. Good to
5: go. All right, thank you. First of all, I'd like to thank you for uh, allowing my team and I to come in and to share with you our budget requests. I did hear, we heard what um, Mr. Seaman spoke about.
1: I was going to say, Dick, come on in here. <laughs> I saw you out there. Ten people if he comes in. That's okay. And I can step hey, out. Sit, right there, Dick. No, Pick a chair. Margie, we're fine. We're distanced. Yeah. Everybody is six feet There's, apart. Nobody else out there in the hallway, is there?
5: Yes, there is. We've got a we've got a plan for rotation, okay. Okay. so we're we're good, we're good. So again, I heard what uh, Mr. Seaman said just a little bit ago, um, and we'll just pretty much continue from that point. So, for the record, I'm Andrea Kane, Superintendent of Schools. And I have with me my CFO, John Pfister. Out in the hallway, we have several other team members, but who you're gonna hear from today will be Carla Pullen, who you know is over facilities. Sid Pinder, our COO, chief operating officer is here, as well as uh, Greg Peluski, our deputy, and of course, Mr. Dick Smith, our board vice president. But uh, everybody won't rotate, but you will see me rotate with Carla. Okay. All right. So first of all, just thank you. Today, we're going to share with you our uh, budget request for FY21. We're going to talk a little bit about maintenance of effort and the consequences to us should we not be fully funded. Uh, we're going to share with you our revenue and expenditures as normal as, lo- as well as our budget process. I know that um, you're going to be here for a long time, but I don't want to be the cause of all of that. We've got a bit of um, quite a few slides here, but we certainly could not uh, present our request without sharing with you a little bit of the great things that are happening in our school system. And, of course, you do have the information on our salaries. Starting salary, we're competitive with the Eastern Shore for a teacher with a bachelor's degree, 48,000 just about, and if a master's degree had been obtained, then there's about 48.5. So just wanted to give you a little bit of background information on that. Of course, you are aware of our blue ribbon school status for Bayside Elementary School. We're so very, very proud of them. First in Queen Anne's County in about 20 years, so we are just ecstatic about that, and we are this week going to submit our application for National Blue Ribbon School. Also, we are sharing with you a bit of information about our Maryland School Report Card. As you know, we have two schools that are five-star schools. Nine of our schools are four-star. And one school is three-star and fractions of a percentage away from being a four-star school. Again, this year, fourth year in a row, we are highest in the state for our graduation rate. It is 95% right now. We continue to work on our next slide. We continue to work on our equity initiatives. Equal opportunity schools are working with our high schools to ensure that non-traditional students are enrolled in our AP courses we work with a data wise improvement process to ensure that we are looking at our data uh, through a lens of equity and ensuring that we are giving opportunities to all of our students access to all of the opportunities that we have available for them and for work with our staff for um, equity issues we use the cambio group now let me just talk a little bit about our budget process of course Again, this year, we still follow our five-year strategic plan um, and those progress indicators that are involved there. We align our requests to our strategic plan. That's important to note. Uh, If there is no request, then we say so. Um, For the FY21 budget development, of course, we begin with our principals and our supervisors in September. And we work our way through right now with um, providing supports to them as they develop their budgets. Uh, we uh, We administer a budget survey to the community, as well as to our board members. And we go through several different processes where we pare down requests and narrow our priorities. I put this line in here and I put it in every year just so that the public is aware that it is my responsibility by law to prepare a budget request that really identifies our needs. Um, With respect to what the available dollars are, absolutely, but my job is to present our needs. The next slide summarizes our budget survey. Uh, Sadly, this year we only had 125 parents to respond. Uh, Those are parents, employees, community members, and so forth. Uh, Over 38.4% of respondents said that they believe that adequate county funding is the greatest challenge facing our school district today. These are some of the board priorities, our school board priorities. Safety of our students uh, ranks number one, of course. Classroom supports, teacher and class size ratio, and compensation for all of our employees. Now, the next slide represents one that you've seen um, before already. Of course, our revenues of $103 million that Mr. Seaman referenced earlier today, about 57, almost 58% of that is county-funded, about 34, almost 35% is state-funded, and then we have several other small restricted um, areas there and 1.4% uh, other unrestricted area there. Our budget by object... About 86% of each dollar budgeted goes toward salaries and benefits for our employees. And once again, for FY21, our funding formulas, which are based on 2019, November 2019 data, Queen Anne's County is the sixth wealthiest county in the state of Maryland, and our wealth per pupil continues to increase, yet we fall among the lowest in the state per pupil spending. And Mr. Pfister is going to talk with you a little bit about maintenance of effort.
7: Thank you, Dr. Kane. Um, as we all are familiar with the maintenance of effort law, requires that the county be fun, uh, the county fund the school system on a per pupil basis is what it did in the prior year. So, in in times of enrollment increases, we would see that um, um, main, uh, the maintenance of effort increase funding from the county. In times where we might have a um, population decrease, then of of course the uh, revenue would decrease by that as well. Again, for 21, Queen Anne's County had the second highest increase in wealth per pupil of 5.8%. However, with maintenance effort, as we've had this discussion, um, the education effort uh, of 1.22% was not as great as the five-year moving average. So by state law, there's three other factors that get factored into this. Is it the the county's increase in total wealth, which was 5.8, the statewide average increase, which was 4.5, or a flat 2.5 percent. So, again, for this year, uh, the education effort factor was applied to the per-pupil. So, in this year, where we're funded $7,934 with the 2.5 percent addition, our projected FY 2021 per-pupil funding would be $8,132. For our requested budget, our revenue, and I know you've seen some of these numbers, Mr. Seaman presented them. Uh, but this again is one our requested budget that was approved by the Board of Education. As you can see, we had $103 million requested in, or approved in the FY20 budget. The requested increase a little over $800,000 for state revenue. 5.1 was the request of this county, and then we. Um, the request did not include any use of our fund balance, so that 's why it 's a negative reduction in the fund balance revenue of two hundred and thirty four thousand so for a total increase of five point six it was five point seven million dollars, and our estimated budget for twenty one would be about one hundred and nine million, as Dr. Kane alluded, every dollar that we put into this budget is aligned to the strategic plan, uh, you know, the five pillars there learning accountability and results, safety and security, operational effectiveness, human capital, and community partnerships, and engagement. In the next few slides, you'll see each of our budget requests are broken up by these exact five areas, and we'll go over those um, now. Under learning accountability and results, the total increase in this particular area is $1.5 million, and there's about three slides that um, that add up to that. So Title II teachers, the Title II grant from the federal government is being reduced and has been under the current administration of the federal government um, where we were proposing to take the two teachers that we have for our class size reduction grant and move them into the operating fund, and that would be at a cost of $144,000. There were some material requests for science, some of our core instructional programs, materials, distance learning issues, um, software licenses, um, and so on for $196,000. The 504 plan software right now, uh, the, all the 504 plans that we have for children throughout the district are really kept in like a Google Drive, and is not a very efficient way to manage that process. So we purchased this year a software package of $25,250. It was not in the base budget that we would be requesting funding to make sure that that stays in our base budget. The Midshore Special Ed Consortium uh, had a huge increase across all of the five counties that participate in that consortium of $130,000. And we're finding funds from within to handle that cost this year. But even to keep our budget on par with next year, we would require $130,000 increase to that line. And then non-public placements, as we've talked about um, many times, our non-public placements have continued to increase. I think we have three more students uh, this year than we have last year, uh, most of them are on the western shore, which requires extensive transportation, additional personnel, buses to transport those. So the cost of just the placements themselves is a increase of $255,000.
5: And as we switch out to the next page, I just want to call your attention to those letters that you see over in the far left column. The M represents a mandatory, mandatory cost or, or expense. CB is the cost of doing business. And PC represents a program continuation. We're already doing that program, and we need to continue doing that program. PE, you will see as a program enhancement.
7: Thank you, Dr. Kane. Um, continuing on, special education, there are some required uh, COMAR training that our paraprofessionals are required to uh, adhere to. Uh, some of the new regulations coming down with um, that particular population, so that's a request of 7,000. Um, As you're familiar with the new coordinator of health services that was hired, uh, the request to add that position at um, an estimated cost of $100,000. Some uh, (coughs) teaching and paraprofessional staffing, total of 4.48 positions for about $270,000. That was the request to maintain class size. 3.48, plus the one paraprofessional. And 24,000. And that's an offset of changing a temporary paraprofessional that just can't uh, fulfill the needs of the school and converting that into a permanent full time paraprofessional. And that's the offset there. And then just some miscellaneous curriculum writing, stipings, and leadership development uh, for our teachers to provide additional curriculum writing for some of the new textbooks that we're adopting. Um, and then increasing the stipend rate uh, because it is very difficult to get teachers. They're paying their babysitters as much as we're paying our teachers on a stipend rate. So it's very tough to get those teachers to come in and actually do this work. So there's some funds in there to increase that hourly rate. And then wrapping up learning accountability and results – We have substitutes for our mentors so that um, our mentor-type teachers can be freed up uh, from their classroom duties to be able to mentor the younger teachers to make sure that they're successful. We have been contracted. Uh, with a board-certified behavioral analyst, and that cost to continue is $60,000. Our virtual academy, uh, request of licenses of 158000 almost $159,000. And the reason for this request is the MSDE, pl- uh, the plan that we submitted for the MSDE, was not... S- Finalized and approved until after the September 30th enrollment. So those children that are in that enrollment count, we won't see the revenue benefit of that for one more year. We were anticipating that that revenue benefit would come in in FY21. It will not happen until FY22. And then primary talent development is basically gifted and talented at our younger uh, younger levels just to get that program because we don't have a real bona fide uh, gifted and talented program at the elementary um, levels just to get that started, some $10,000, some stipend, and some curriculum writing related to that. For safety and security, there's no request in the operating budget. We've been able to handle most of that through some of the grants and also through some of the capital funding that this commission has uh, provided in the past. So as far as the operating funds, there's no enhancements or, or no additions to our current level of funding within operating. Under operational effectiveness, total of $686,000. Uh, we we're, we're in the second year of our contract with our bus contractors, so there's an automatic escalator based on COLA there, uh, the 163000 funds that. Um, the operational piece within transportation, we've had increase in, in our drug testing costs and other related items. So there's a $91,000 request there. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, with the increase in the special ed and some of our homeless populations, um, there's a request to add a new driver to handle some of that population as well as to pay for some of the overtime because when we go across excuse me go across the bridge a lot of times we add into overtime hours for our bus drivers Uh, so there's an eighty four thousand dollar request for that to make it par with the activity bus that's at queen anne's county high school there was a request to put an after school or activity bus at Ken allen high school at a cost of twenty seven thousand and then again operational increases rather than detailing all the twenty lines that are in here as far as operation of plant Um, There's a $61,000 increase. We kind of grouped it together, but it's anything from increases to custodial supplies to a little bit of meetings and conference money to – and, of course, with the COVID outbreak, we have no idea what that's going to bring as far as those increases in that area. So there's a request of $61,000 for operation of plant. Same thing with maintenance of plant, an increase of 68000 both operationally and maintenance on the non-salary lines. There's been very little, if any, increases over the last few years to fund those. As you know, costs keep going up. Uh, request for a carpenter locksmith at $53,000 for the maintenance department. The escalator of software technology, you know, every software program pretty much has a 2 or 3% escalator uh, every year. And with that being flat funded over the last several years, we are now... Uh, contemplating which programs we can continue to keep. In the finance department, uh, because of some of the Kerwin and other increases in fiscal accounting, uh, I had requested an accountant for the fiscal department and then the athletics to have an athletic director, a full-time athletic director pilot program uh, at Queen Anne's County High School. We would pilot it was a request of 42000 So in that operational effectiveness, we have three positions for, again, $685,000 request. Under human capital, uh, as Mr. Seaman mentioned earlier, compensation, that's the big thing. There are settled agreements, and we are settled with all of our unions, and the cost of those agreements are $2.5 million. Uh, as this county is experiencing a 6% increase in the health insurance costs, there's our 6% increase, almost $663,000. Um, as you know, and teacher retirement is, is borne by the Board of Ed now after a couple years Um of that being in place. So that's a $60,000 increase. We had a huge increase in our employee life insurance uh, projected premiums. Um, we just had some bad experience over the last year, um, so there's a requested increase of 47000 for that. The minimum wage requirements, uh, it cost us $100,000 basically last year to put those things in place for not only our temporary premiums, Employees, but also our substitutes to make their substitutes more competitive with the surrounding counties. So there's an additional 100000 as that escalator keeps going up. And then just a small little bit amount in student services for some material and mileage of uh, $500. So that brings it to $3.4 million. And then our community partnerships and engagement um, on the advice of, of I believe, uh, Commissioner, that we added this workforce coordinator, one position for approximately placeholder amount of $100,000. So, we did have some tough decisions before what we had just reviewed. That there were additional requests that came from departments and mainly from the schools of an additional $1.1 million that didn't even make it to the budget presentation. Uh, Superintendent and his executive, her executive team, I'm sorry, uh, made these rationalizational cuts uh, to bring the request to the board down by 1.1. So, as you can see, even beyond what we've asked for, there are certainly additional needs that um, just didn't make it to the, to the final budget. So, in summary, we have almost 12 positions for $5.6 million. That's the breakout of where those uh, amounts fall, and about 86.1% of the new requests all impact the classroom and impact the student and the teacher. With that, and I apologize. Um, with the ones and the twos, are supposed to actually have titles and errors. You can tell or you should know that the county funding it makes up the majority of that. And these are just the simple percentages that Dr. Kane went over before, just uh, including the 2021 revenue numbers of 109, and the breakout again, budget by object, where we have 85.2% of our budget. So every dollar, 85 cents goes towards salaries and benefits. With that.
5: So right now, I'm going to switch out, and I'm going to have Miss Pullen come in, and then I will be back.
8: Good evening, Good Commissioners. Evening. Good evening. So we were here in November to discuss with you the state funding requests that we were proposing for uh, fiscal year 2021 those projects are still the items that you see within our capital budget for the state match so we're looking at bayside elementary school the exterior window and door replacement settlersville elementary school the chiller replacement settlersville elementary school a fire alarm replacement and ken island high school partial roof replacement at this time, we believe that those projects, at least in part, are expected to be funded by the state. And there has been no change since we saw you in November to the cost of those items. Our facility assessment related items are uh, the line items that we show you every year, and these are the preventative and replacement and repair items that will keep us ahead of the game that were shown in the facility assessment that was done in 2016. So you'll see under these uh, categories, we have building services, building shell, interior painting, site work, as well as substructure. On our next page, we start to get into the other capital items, athletics, classroom technology replacements. This includes... um, projectors, LCD, uh, projectors, screens, smart boards, those types of items. We have a line item for custodial equipment or fleet vehicle replacement, food service equipment. Some of the food service equipment that we're dealing with in our kitchen spaces are original to the buildings. Furniture replacement, primarily cafeteria tables that are in some cases 30 years old. Next page, maintenance equipment. There are some miscellaneous projects, just smaller repair and replacement items. We have aging PA and intercom systems, as well as aging phone systems. Again, some of those are original to the buildings. Playground equipment, another large dollar item, that when we do have a system that is aged and needs to be replaced, they are usually high dollar items. We have repairs and replacement for portables as well as security upgrades. And then our transportation for buses as well as cameras, the technology plan, and textbook replacement.
5: So we are requesting full funding of our budget, um, and, and earlier I spoke about um, some consequences to us. Should we not have full funding, and of course that is a risk of not being able to fund our negotiated agreements, uh, that would be in jeopardy. We certainly would be looking at the possibility of staffing reductions. We would be looking at some loss to our core instructional programs because as you recall some of those requests were for mandated items. Uh, Recruitment and staffing would be an issue. Minimum wage compliance, there was $100,000 in that budget for minimum wage uh, and that would be um, in question. There would be no instructional program improvements whatsoever. Of course, our state and federal reporting and compliance issues would be um, a a real possibility. And, of course, continued underfunding of key services, in particular special education and transportation. So without full funding, we are looking at remaining at status quo. However, we recognize that uh, the proposed budget that was put forth Um, definitely include some uncertainties around COVID-19 and that pandemic and what that means for revenue forecasts. However, it's my position that we cannot afford to underestimate the value of education in Queen Anne's County. Now, what we've done is we've uh, created some revised sheets so that you have an understanding of what we are looking at should we need to go with the minimum funding. And on the document that you're looking at right now, if you look in the middle column, you'll see the revised increases to the current FY20 budget, okay, which is on the left. And to the right, you'll see the total estimated revenue from all sources. This estimate also includes the use of two hundred thousand dollars of our one point one million um, in unassigned fund balance to help lessen the impact of the lower revenue estimates. So, uh, for our FY twenty one budget request, five point six million, or five point four percent more than FY twenty, um, there's the eight hundred, just over eight hundred thousand from the state and we're looking at um, a budget request of 5.1 million more in county funds which is about 3.5 over moe which mr seaman referenced just a little bit ago and i'm not going to go over everything word for word because this is the same these are the same sheets that you just saw in our request but what we did was we added a final column and we documented what we would probably need to reduce the cuts that we would need to make. So in the area of learning accountability and results, rather than reduce both of those Title I teachers, we would reduce one Title I teacher at 72000 and then cut everything else in that budget. On the next slide, and, and recall that all of these are mandatory, um, on the next slide we're looking at Uh, reducing everything except the coordinator of health services or the nursing supervisor, um, which was an unexpected uh, mandated expense. And then we're looking at cutting everything on this slide except for the virtual learning academy. And and consequently, uh, the students that are involved in that um, pilot program are virtually unaffected by COVID-19. For safety and security, we had already mentioned that we were going to request dollars from grants, so that was unimpacted. Under operational effectiveness, we made reductions to our requests. In most cases, we reduced our requests by about half, or we we retracted the request altogether, uh, such as in the case of the um, Kent Island High School activity bus. On the next page, we reduced everything, uh, or we retracted everything, but we did cut the maintenance of plant in half, and we cut the software and license increases in half, as we do not know what is going to become of um, you know, schooling for next year. So we left something in those categories. For human capital, obviously, uh, we expect to be able to fund our settled agreements, our health insurance, Uh, retirements, life insurance, wages, um, and we did take out that small amount, that $500 for materials and mileage for student services. We're also looking at um, some cuts uh, that, let me just go back up to the pre-K expansion. So we added, in this case, three pre-K teachers to this request. These three positions are currently funded by our pre-K expansion grant. And that's been used to maintain pre-K at Churchill Elementary School, Sutlersville Elementary School. We've recently received notification from MSDE that the pre-K expansion grant could not be uh, used to maintain our program. That grant can only be used to increase or expand our program. So those funds must only be used for that and those three positions impact sixty or more students depending upon whether or not the teacher is a full-day kindergarten t- pre-K teacher or a half day. Half Classes are 20, 20 per um, class, students, 20 students per class. If the teacher teaches all day, of course, that's 20, but if it's two half days, that's 40 students that would be impacted. Um, you should also note that big 27 um, number there. We would be faced with possibly cutting 27 positions to realize just over 1.9 million to help to balance our budget. Now, this number certainly could be adjusted based on some other balancing options that I'll talk about in just a few minutes. But to finish out the category, we are um, looking at cutting that community partnerships and engagement workforce coordinator. So that would go. Now, that would make our new revenue one, about $106 million, okay, approximately. And budget by object still at about 86%. No big change there, but some of the other balancing options that we're looking at, of course, we would certainly have to look at furloughing employees, and one furlough day is about $280,000 for all employees, and remember, we're, we're looking at about $3.5 million, um, somewhere close to there we'd have to renegotiate settled agreements, or we may have to. The thing I'd like to note about having to renegotiate our uh, agreements is particularly for teachers, Based on Kerwin dollars, recall that we had to meet a minimum threshold of 3% increase in order to get the $544,000 from Kerwin. If we have to renegotiate and have a lesser increase, then we forfeit that $544,000 for our employees. We'd also be looking at using additional fund balance, and we would certainly be considering any stimulus funds or CARES dollars that we could use, and those are looking like one-time-use funds. For our fund balance, I'm going to have Mr. Fister to finish up.
7: Thank you, Dr. King. As, as we discussed earlier, our current unassigned fund balance is 1.1 million dollars, and we had proposed um, to use in this revised budget that we could use $200,000 of that. That still leaves us woefully short of any recommendation of a fund balance for exactly what we're going through right now. I mean, you're experiencing. With, with you know the possibility of needing to use those additional funds because these these events just we just don 't know when they 're going to be, so bringing that down to about nine hundred thousand dollars again is woefully short of um, you know what what would be recommended, and then obviously we 'd have to identify those things within that budget that 's one time cost eighty six percent of our uh, cost being salaries and benefits that 's not one time cost, so by using continually use fund balance as a as a funding source is not the uh, the most beneficial way to move forward with this budget, but just to kind of set your eyes on what that number is it 's one point one million dollars is what 's left over uh, in our unassigned fund balance
5: so we 've done a very similar thing with the capital budget, and we 've gone through and we 've made some reductions here. <clears throat> for the most part, you, you'll see that we have reduced that $12 million ask to about $7 million. I'm not going to go through everything word for word, but you can see over the next several slides that we have uh, significantly cut um, some of the requests, in some cases by two-thirds, in some cases by half, uh, but we've made some deep cuts here. And we are hoping that um, it doesn't come to this, but we wanted to give you some idea of what we'd be looking at in the event that we had to do this. Now, when it comes out in the wash, of course, that 12 million down to seven, now we're looking at not status quo, but now we're looking at less than status quo because we are not getting what we need. Uh, simply go back to some of those mandated items that are required of us, and you will, and you will, I think, agree. And then if we have to lose 27 positions or send our employees home for several days in order to make up for a budget shortfall, then certainly that is below status quo. So with that, um, I'm, I'm going to end at this point. I'm going to ask if you have questions because I'm certain that you do. And I'm going to preface that by saying that I may have to switch out some of my uh, team members to respond to some of your questions, but we're happy to do that. What questions might we answer for you?
3: So based on this year with um, the the COVID-19 shutdown of the school systems, what is your savings there with all the people that have been laid off within the school systems, your cafeteria, bus drivers, part-time teachers, Um, The fact that you're not opening the schools up, there's operational savings there. What What is that number? Do we know
7: yet? So we haven't formalized all those projections with uh, food service, as you know, that's a separate entity, so it, it's, it's revenue-making, so our revenue's down, so our expenses, so there's really not going to be any savings from anything in the food service. The operational, we'll see some reductions in utilities. Uh, we did continue to pay some of our employees, uh, our temporary workers, through April 24th to continue that, um, so we're waiting for that final payroll to come through so I could do those projections. There will be some offsets, but it won't be that great. Um, most of it will come come in the area of operations and maintenance maybe a little bit in subs because as you know we're still paying our teachers uh, we're paying a lot of our paraprofessionals still paying our bus drivers uh, still paying our bus contractors you know there are small businesses in this area but there will be some small savings but we haven't finalized those projections yet what was last year's increase
1: I, i know you to your your employees I know you talked about the three percent. If you don't get the three percent, you don't get the match from the state. What was what was last year? So
7: generally speaking, it was a step in a one percent cola. Which is what's the percentage that total at? three? And a well, it varies by union, varies by step within there, but probably in the neighborhood of about three and a half percent.
1: Okay. So what what's your feelings on Kerwin? I mean, even if we didn't have the COVID issue. You know we were prepared to do more than maintenance of effort, but we weren't prepared to do five point six million dollars and what we were going to do above the maintenance of effort was above what Kerwin said we have to do, so I guess I'm struggling with this, and Jack sat on the on that committee on it seems to me like Kerwin is your enemy I mean as far as when what if we followed what Kerwin says to give you for the next whatever it is, 10 years, we're never going to catch up to what you're asking for. So to that point, shouldn't you be down in Annapolis lobbying these Kerwin people to tell them that you're, you're taking us in
7: the wrong direction? No, I don't see it that way. Okay. So what I'm seeing is through the, some of the Kerwin legislation, if we're still holding to those requirements and, uh, as a minimum, then, yeah, there are some issues there. But as far as all of the influx that Kerwin is supposed to have provided, whether it will or not from a funding standpoint, there should be some benefits to us. But as far as the county's contribution, if we continue using the Kerwin dollar projections as a minimum, then, yeah, there will be some serious consequences with the school system funding. But, but wait a minute. Hold on. Kerwin was. It's not a maximum. Ca- no. Yes, it was. Kerwin took every
3: county into account and said, this is what you need to provide to provide a world-class education, and this is what it will cost. Okay. That's what those numbers represented. Okay. And I've, I've disagreed with them. I'm going to sit here and tell you. And you guys should disagree with them too because well, I don't. It's <laughs> I not want to
5: cut you off. Go but, ahead. But it,
3: it's not. We know it's not a realistic number.
5: Absolutely. But and and there is nothing that says that a county cannot continue to fund their school district because they know that those dollars are not going to make it but a world class school district.
3: I don't want to get into this because this would take me down a bad place. But I didn't see one teacher, one school system down there saying this doesn't work for us if we stick to this and that makes me mad that that the school systems bought into this lock, stock and barrel and gave the counties no support. And that's all I'll say about it.
1: Well, we've been down this road before we have many years ago when, you know, the last time we had a major uh, disaster on our hands financially. And we don't know what this one's going to bring us. Uh, You know, as You've heard us discuss maintenance of effort until we find out what's going on revenue-wise. We completely you know, understand. We, we can always come back and and add to something, but as it sits right now, that, that's not going to be the case. So, you know, and that's countywide. That's not just the, the Board of Education. So, I mean, that's I, – am I pretty much – yeah spot on with that so no
4: nobody knows right reality is reality right that's, that's the problem what it is sadly I and mean, we could all hope that you know in a few weeks things would go back to normal and the economy would just start up again but it's, right.
5: you don't just switch back on it
3: right i mean i don't know if you guys were sitting out there when jonathan was giving his that we're looking we're gonna to have to cut five million dollars so
5: yep uh, I mean. we were sitting there and again My job is to present our requests and our needs. I totally understand. Fully recognizing that we don't know what the landscape is going to be like. But I have to let you know what our needs are, and we've given you some idea of what it will look like should we be funded at maintenance of effort. It won't blindside anybody. This is the reality. So we just need to make sure that you're aware of that.
4: Absolutely. And are you planning on this? Like, what happens if the schools have to shut down? again next fall, how does that factor? In so
5: we're working on a recovery education plan, which includes an opportunity for us. Should this happen again, if we, if we can't open again in the fall or if we open and then we have to close again later in the year, we're working on a recovery plan that will allow us to do that much more seamlessly.
4: And how's it working with getting um, you know, the technology out to areas where, where we don't have broadband coverage? And those students there
5: that have Chromebooks, I know there are some efforts to try to get them connected. What's going on there? So we did receive our first shipment of mobile hotspots. Uh, we have we had about 18 teachers who did not have internet at home or spotty internet, so we made sure that they got theirs. The remainder of those mobile hotspots went out to students. Uh, we started to prioritize by high school seniors, juniors, sophomores. So at both of our high schools, all of our seniors, juniors, sophomores have hotspots if they need them, and the next group of uh, students that will get them will be, of course, our freshmen, and then we'll just continue to work with our uh, middle school and elementary school students we also have and you may have heard this already in our budget um, conversations at our last board meeting but we also ordered extenders for access points so that we could have the drive-through Wi-Fi at some of our high schools those won't come in until the middle of May everybody's on back order but we continue to place orders so that we can uh, have them as soon as possible
3: and these will be permanent upgrades
5: correct mm-hmm.
3: and that's at all the schools
5: so we fate, were phasing, we were, and you may know, I think Mr. Um, Corcorino knows that we have been working with Atlantic Broadband and they were started, sort of going to start from the Kent Island area because that's where they already are. We were starting at the other end of the county where they are not. Uh-huh. Um, and so we were sort of going to meet together. There was a conversation, just so that everybody watching understands, uh, there was a conversation at our last board meeting about Queen Anne's County High School. Students at Queen Anne's County High School can get Internet from the parking lot right now. Um, Close to the portables, they certainly can get that right now. But we made sure that we got mobile hotspots to their, again, juniors, seniors, and sophomores. So we're continuing to work through that. So Queen Anne's County High School families that need to have Internet access, they can get that.
3: So I guess my other question is basically a hotspot could be put anywhere. Is there any thoughts to putting it? We have plenty of county buildings. To I mean, accessibility for some people driving. Mm-hmm. Um, because the a login's a login. If yep. the hotspot was there, that we utilize the, the 56 county buildings we have to have hotspots that, you know, be more convenient for people to drive to. Absolutely. And ends.
5: as a matter of fact, um, Atlantic Broadband was looking at some areas over by the industrial park in Kent Island. Uh, they may have mentioned, I can't recall if they mentioned the Kmart, but there were a couple of other buildings, might have been the uh, Kent Island Firehouse, or there are some other buildings that they were looking at as well. So, not just schools.
4: I believe the library parking lots. Library you know, can catch the Wi-Fi. But I
5: think they're already. Yeah, they're already up and running. I'm talking yeah, about. You know, important. we got right. the,
4: the just that people were watching. There are other yeah. locations.
5: Yep. And I also could, got the um, information from Mr. Moran with regard to the uh, lots and. Yeah, and we and looked at all so. the parks also. Where mm-hmm. all our
1: parks are because we have parking spaces in there. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know which ones will mm-hmm. be close and which ones they could put a hotspot in and do it there also. Could you make sure that. All the commissioners get the PowerPoint.
7: Good
5: PowerPoint. We we did send it earlier today, so you should Perfect. have access okay. to that. Good. Any we other have, questions? You want to mention this updated? Yeah,
7: and and I also have a printed copy, and I okay. can certainly email this too. of, of um, it was in Mr. Seaman's presentation. It's the updated um, synopsis scenario. It's a it's one of our working documents that we use. So this is a reflective of the 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 cuts that we've. Um,
4: proposed, so I'll leave. I'll leave
7: some. And of those Mr. Copies.
5: Seaman referenced this earlier today when he was talking as well. Just so the, we the different
7: version. Yes, thank you.
4: How how um, how are the teachers? How are their their morale doing? Getting used to the distance learning and yep, not being with their kids. This is not the environment that they prefer.
5: Correct. They they're getting used to it. Um, some quicker than others, of course. But, you know, I have to say our teachers have done an outstanding job just reaching out to students because, as you know, not everybody's on a computer. Mm -hmm. Several students are on learning packets, hard copies, and we are making a goal to have our teachers reach out to our students each week. uh, Either by telephone telephone, or face-to-face on Google Meet, Google Classroom. And we also have other individuals in our school buildings, our school counselors, our administrators are also, we're just making sure that we are face-to-face or over the telephone reaching out to our families.
4: And do you have an idea of a percentage of how many of the student population is actually Keeping up with these distance lesson lesson plans?
5: So as of today, we have about 7% of our students that are not logging in regularly that have a Queen Anne's County issued device. Okay. We have about another 5% of our students who are on learning packets who have not responded back to their teacher That means by taking a snapshot of the work that they've completed Mm -hmm. and sending it into the teacher as documentation so that the teacher could give some feedback. So about 7% that are on uh, devices and about 5% that are on um, learning packets.
2: Would that very much with the classroom experience? What do you mean? I mean, you have a certain number of kids that are not very responsive
5: in class. Hmm. Well, you mean, does it align? Yeah, I'm just wondering
2: is this a that, technology issue or or is it
5: It is it is two things. It is one, we don't have that access in, in some of the northern parts of our of uh-huh. our county, but also sort of in the Centerville area as well. There are a number of families who have spotty internet. They have access but they have spotty internet. And so downloading and, and doing, you know, the conferencing through Google Meets presents an issue. I'm in one of those locations myself. So I'm, yeah, so I'm on conference calls all day long, and I'm constantly getting, you know, disconnected. So they are, some of those families have chosen to be on learning packets, even though they have a Queen Anne's County device. So there's a little bit of overlap in there. Right now, it's pretty hard to tease that out, but we're working with our teachers and our administrators to make sure that they're keeping logs and documenting who they are meeting, uh, who they're not able to contact. Just a very few of them are not making contact at all, and we'll probably be reaching out to our, some of our law enforcement partners to do some well checks, wellness checks uh, to make sure our kids are okay. Thank you.
4: And how, how are you doing? How's the grading gonna be done? I mean, seniors are gonna to get to graduate, right?
5: Absolutely, absolutely. So we will have grading and what we've done is make sure, this is a general statement for everybody, but we've made sure that students who um, have not turned in all of their assignments have additional time to do that. So rather than give a fail, we are giving an incomplete or an exempt until summer is done and students have had some opportunity to turn in those assignments so that we have given every opportunity that we can to students, reaching out to them, giving them extra time and saying, okay, you are still able to turn in your assignments. If something happened beyond your control, you have more time. So it's not an automatic, okay, here it is, it's June the 12th, okay, fail. So we've given extra opportunity for students to do that. Now for students who are able to turn those assignments in on time, they are getting graded, they are getting feedback, Beautiful. Stay on track. This is not the time to slack up at all, because teachers are watching and waiting for those assignments. It's not a free. It's not a giveaway. But for students who are having difficulty, we've extended additional time.
3: So the twenty fourth was the last uh, date, right? The was date- the
5: last date until? Now it's extended until May 15th. May 15th, okay. Mm -hmm. So we haven't heard anything beyond May 15th. At that point,
3: I mean, it would take you, what, at least a week to get the schools up and ready if they told you May 15th they were opening, right?
5: It's going to take more than a day or two. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, I mean, the assumption is right now the schools are going to
5: close, right? I mean... I, I, I would think they would be, but I cannot even begin to presume, especially publicly, to say, mm, don't expect a return because I don't know.
1: Right. Well, if the, the, the just their social gathering and, and everything else through the phases
3: Is. goes right against schools. Right. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, I mean,
5: and you, and if you'd they, be. In- if they came back and said reopen with some conditions. Yeah. Right? They're
3: phase three. They're phase three in the I governor's mean, plan, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. you're phase three, and that's eight months away if you take the early estimates. And
5: that <laughs> right. And that's why we, we just we don't know.
3: So is the so is the preparation now to, to follow up with Chris's question earlier, is the preparation now if you I mean phase three is eight months out, we're in the next school year. I mean, is the preparation right now that kids are going to start school next year, distance mm-hmm. learning? I mean Absolutely.
5: Well, uh, no, the preparation weeks. is that students are going to start in eight schools
3: eight weeks is what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah. Eight Phase weeks. three is
5: not eight weeks. Phase three in eight so. weeks? Okay. Yeah, eight weeks. Right. Yes. I knew what you meant. I was there going, did <laughs> you hear something I didn't hear? We didn't tell months. you, Jim. <laughs> it's two more years. <laughs> but well, we're getting we're, PPE
3: we're, for two years. That's right. Sure <laughs> we're
5: preparing um, as if students are going to return in the fall, but our education recovery plan allows for it to go further. So we're, we're creating a plan to take us through next summer.
3: Is this something you're doing or is this something that they're doing at the state level? No, this is something that Queen Anne's County is doing. All go.
5: districts are doing it, but our plan is specific to us. Gotcha,
4: great, excellent. How's that gonna track with any of the, the performance testing that they have to do? I mean, you're giving them curriculum, you're giving them stuff to learn, but they're not getting the same level of instruction they would get if they were in the classroom.
5: So as you know, assessments were waived for this year. Right. And they'll be back on you know, if we start school again in the fall. If an additional waiver has to be requested, then of course the state will do that.
4: Right? Is there a thought to sort of a, a boot camp at the beginning of the year or to try to jumpstart them back into?
5: Mr. Corcorino, I'm starting a boot camp in June, <laughs> so no, I'm not waiting until <laughs> the beginning of the year. Absolutely not. We, okay. we just don't have that much. We don't have that kind of leverage, so we're right. we're looking at starting as soon as school ends. Okay.
3: Is there any funding streams attached to the uh, test scores directly? No. No. to so the performance scores. Correct. So I was just wondering how they would do that, just use the previous years to do it.
5: Nope. So how and, they're, do they s- and they're actually talking about, um, you know, ways that they might uh, start to get some data on where kids are and possibly that might look like some type of diagnostic testing in the beginning of the school year, but each school district does diagnostic testing in the beginning of the year anyway. So, you know, that's just a conversation that's being had.
9: Very good. Anyone else? Oh. I mean, One thing I'd like to emphasize, you know, we're in unique times, and it's very hard on parents and students doing this distant learning. Mm-hmm. We would be a lot better in school. We're not. There's going to be consequences because we're not. That are going to be different levels of people, how they're moving forward. We've had Dr. Kane talk about hotspots, the distribution of information and stuff like that. And it's hard on parents. It's going to be hard on students. So, you know, we're going to have a big learning curve And like Dr. Kane said, we don't know if we're going to be back, and we're going to be back probably in September. We're probably not going to be back this year. That's my opinion, but we'll we'll see what happens. We don't get we don't get guidance from the state. You know, they sit there and tell us three days before something happens. I'm sure you're frustrated too (laughs) on this. And Jim and I, you can remember back in ten, not eight or nine, a set of commissioners made some very bad decisions on overestimating income. Mm -hmm. Now, what I see, and I'm not a rocket scientist but this virus is going like this and it's going to come down. Your revenue is going to go like this, and I don't know when it's going to come back up to normal Absolutely. because there's a lot of small businesses and businesses that are not going to be in business three months from now. Right. Yep. Good decisions you all make and we make today is going to make it a lot easier to make hard decisions in the future. I know you're going to do what you can because you always had in the past. What I would really like if you, when you see your revenue come back up at some point, that we could re-look at things maybe in January and see is there additional things that if we because we're going to have to renegotiate, make some hard decisions on staff and everything else, but we might have a way to come back in January, February if this comes back. I don't know. I mean, as long as this has been going like this, mm-hmm. I don't know if revenue will come back. But well, that is our plan. And that I, is our plan. We hope yeah, that happens. Right. That yeah, we right. can
4: have that discussion.
9: You know, and, and and can you know and we can stay in touch with that because um, you know, we're doing a good job. We've got to look at a lot of resources. We've got to reallocate some of our resources. We, you know, we move things around. You, it's tough, but I just think the best decisions we make today will make easy decisions, easier, not hard decisions in the future mm-hmm. because it's going to be tough today, but oh, yeah. it's going to be a lot tougher if we don't hit them head on and not look at the doomsday thing, but we're, we're in a jam, mm-hmm. and revenues are, are going to be down, and some people don't have jobs. Right. And when we talk about distant learning, there's parents probably that don't, have internet today might not have it in, in 30 days because they won't have revenue to pay for it i mean so right. I, I think what jim talked about the, um, parks would be a good idea um you know it's not in a commercial area it's in a Anne's county park mm-hmm. that would be a, a, a great place to put some hot spots and that would be throughout the whole thing because our parks are throughout the whole county and that would be a great thing if we could work together plus we give both the students ability to use the wi-fi and our citizens that don't have it to use it. so I think it's a lot of things, uh, but um, you know, we're, we're going to get through it, and we're going to make some good decisions. We're going to think they're tough, but they'll be good decisions, and we'll survive, and we'll go on, and we'll be back next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've
3: said all along that this going to be a very, uh, this won't, won't be a typical static budget. This will be a dynamic budget
9: throughout the year. So, and, and you so. know, I, and I, I'm a board member. <laughs> I agree with you, Jack. Court Kerwin is a frustrating. I mean, I've been through MISPAP, Thornton and everything else. This, I mean, the, the state didn't even know how to fund it when they were going, going, chugging along at, at normal speed. They got blinders on. Them. They think Kerman's going to be anywhere where it's like it is. I mean, it, it's something you know as a board and as, as the staff and Dr. Kane's got to decide on how we address that. You know, but
3: but well, we actually had that conversation earlier this evening. So talking okay. about that.
9: I mean, and you know, it's that might be the least of our problems. I I don't disagree. I think
3: it's very, it would be very, very, with with blinders on, to think that Kerwin is going to come out and and be what it was Mm -hmm. before all this happened, I think would be what it was before themselves. Because it was already in trouble then, so
4: we'll see. Mm -hmm.
5: Yes, we will. Any other questions we might be able to answer for you?
4: Thank you so much. I wish we had more answers for you. I know. So, Thank a, you. a lot of gratitude for everything that the, the teachers and everybody and all of you guys are doing for the students.
5: Thank you so much. Thank you.
4: So is there,
3: uh, right before we get out, so is there any, I've seen different things and heard different things. Is there anything on, are we doing parades for graduation? I've, I've heard a lot of different things. Is <laughs> yeah, there we've
5: had a lot of responses from our students and our community. Both our high school principals are leading up that work, and they're going to be making some recommendations to me. The team that um, they have working with them, made some recommendations that I reported out last week, uh, but steady more were steady to come in. So we've got more that we need to sift through and, and they'll make a recommendation to me and, and we'll put it out in the public.
3: So we've got another year to worry about how we're going to protect the turf
5: for yes. graduation? see? Huh. That's the, the, the bright, bright side. Silver line. I think you a little drastic, but oh. we got there, right? right. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you very all. much.
4: I'm going to see about getting Teacher of the Year for myself next year.
5: I've been educating next three kids. kids.
4: Oh, I, I, I don't think should I like, should be a contributor. I figured Kelly's doing, doing all that. Year, but i get something. Are. Dr. Kane, just put me down for teacher of the year next year. Put just, you down? Just put my name in there at least. I right. mean, <laughs> give me you a test, fighting shot. You better test the
3: kids first. <laughs> sure might not be sure so well. Something.
4: I think my, I think my wife might disagree that she should get it, but yeah, but I'm sitting wait, here. Wait, three kids? Yeah. I thought
3: you had four. <laughs> <laughs>
9: it's been
4: tough, Jim. We got ran out of food <laughs> to get rid of one. Boom.
0: Uh... All right, commissioners. We are now preparing to get ready for press and public comment. Okay. We have uh, Bruce Grove here is helping us set up the Zoom window. So if anybody has uh, Zoom at home, they can join us here for public comment period. Zoom with us. Zoom so now, I don't know if we have anybody waiting. Uh, in- we actually don't know. Currently, no one in the Zoom. Nobody in the waiting room. No one in the waiting room, room right now. Okay. okay.
7: We do have an email comments. for public comment. Okay. Uh, is from Heather Skipper, a Chester resident. I'd like to say, good evening. Any new updates on the reopened Maryland pro- protest that was recently announced? Planning to stop for a break on Kent Island on Saturday. Many thanks to the sheriff for answering my email yesterday. We as residents appreciate the support. Uh, we know
1: what, what she knows. Uh, the, the sheriff's office is on top of it, along with the state police, and they will be monitoring it our yeah, only comment. I mean,
3: the logical side of that is—I is was thinking about it when I read—we got an email, I think, earlier about it that Todd answered. But is where, where, what's open that you're going to go to? I mean, I think
1: they're going to meet under the Kmart, the, the bridge, Lott or under yeah, the canyons, right?
3: right? But, One of those. Yeah.
1: <coughs> That's all. That's it. No other press and public comment. So we'll close press and public comment and go right into the round table. Round table. Okay. Thank you, Bruce. Of Number one,
3: uh, nothing. No, just uh, you know, everybody, hang in there. Um, just to let you know, we we are here at the county level. We're working on uh, um, some stuff to help out our businesses, and and once and we're we certainly uh, signed on to letters to the governor to open up the recreational boating and and golfing and things like that outdoors in limited quantities, but. Again, just maintain your social distancing for now, and we'll get through this sooner than later, hopefully. Very good.
2: Mr. Wilson, the senior? sure. There. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thunderstruck with how well distancing has worked. I mean, the idea that we started the first week with seven people, and the second week, we had no hospitalizations. We could knock the first week off, so we still had nets, maybe seven, six people. That number has not changed enormously. We now are up to 45 people, but if you knock the first three weeks off, we have one hospitalization. Five? Fifty-one. Okay, yeah, 51, but statistically...
4: That's right. one per Irrelevant. Fifty-one positive, not not uh, hospitalizations. Correct. Right. Two no hospital, hospitalizations, fifty-one okay.
2: positive. So I was wrong by hundred <laughs> percent. There you go. And how many are, Still how many are, how
3: many are sick now, How many are deemed sick? I know last time we got the number when, when we were at like twenty-three or twenty-four and we had ten that were actually sick.
2: Currently, sick people probably fifteen or twenty or something reported that we think right. of.
3: Out of the fifty some positive cases. Oh, we've yeah. gotten
2: but that's pretty phenomenal in a county of 50,000 and this distancing has done it and,
3: and we're a bedroom community and people sir? are still work- I say we're a bedroom community and people are still working across the bridge in the hot spots yeah, and we're no, I not have to, bringing it I, home
2: i have to commend yeah. our commuters please thank you commissioner Corcorino.
4: yeah well uh, commissioner Moran and i did the ask a commissioner last week with uh, Dr. Seattle um, and we we got a lot of great questions that came in. Thank you, Bruce, and QAC-TV for being there for that. Um, and some people would ask, you know, why hadn't we done that sooner? Um, you could ask a commissioner anytime you want and <laughs> just make sure you know that. Email us, call us, reach out to us on, you know, some of us on Facebook. Ask us questions. Don't You don't have to wait for that formal thing. Um, the truth is, a lot of what's going on that's important might seem sort of mundane to most citizens. There's a lot going on with the EOC, a lot monitoring. Um, the testing the locations preparing if there was a surge um, but it probably sounds a lot more interesting than you know in a question and answer thing so um, we are continuing to get information out there we're doing press releases uh, facebook posts other social media posts the information is out there but if you have a question call us up email us you can ask a commissioner anytime you want you don't have to wait for qac tv to have a special we will be doing more of those i'm sure and uh, maybe we'll have Jack do the next one.
3: But it's a joy working with Bruce, so.
4: It is fun. Oh, cool. wow. makes it all
3: worthwhile.
4: So that's good. And, and we also, I've been talking with the, with the local delegation to see what we can all do with sort of, I think Jim will probably talk to me a little more about this, jointly with, with sort of our region uh, to advance with the governor that a regional approach makes sense to how we're going to deal with reopening Maryland. Uh, we're not the same as the Western Shore. There are things that we can do that maybe they can't do. Um, and we're impacted differently than they are as well. So we'll keep pushing that.
1: Very good. Well, Chris Chris opened that door up, and I'm going to step right through it. I figured. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate everything the governor's done and, and everybody at the state level. Uh, I think that the distancing uh, worked. It did flatten the curve. I think that, uh, you know, the eastern shore is, is natural boundaries. You know, we've got the Chesapeake Bay, and we have the Bay Bridge. And, you know, the numbers here are extremely low compared to the rest of the state and and that's a it's a good thing but the numbers are not going to stop on a specific day it's not going to you're not going to wake up in two weeks from now and say covid is gone because it's not going to be gone and i think that the public needs to understand that and and the risk to the public is no greater than some of these other strands of covid that have been around h1n1 and the other one so you know, I, I think that it's time that, that uh, the Eastern Shore either comes together or Queen Anne's County can go it on its own and, and ask the governor to open, open Queen Anne's County back up. I mean, it's start, start the phases now. Uh, you know, the, the, the ones that are most vulnerable, they've identified. Those with underlying uh, conditions, diabetic, diabetes, you know, uh, immune systems, pulmonary, heart disease. You know, these are the, these are the people that we need to protect. And these are the people that we've been protecting. And how have we been protecting them? They have isolated themselves, and they have quarantined themselves. Well, that should just continue on. I mean, I I don't see a change coming in the next two months to say COVID's going to be gone. So for that group of of our citizens, you need to take care of yourself and continue doing what you've been doing for the last two months, but allow the rest of the the, uh, county to come back online. You know, I think that, you know, the recreational boating and golf, that's great. That's great for those that can afford to do those things. But our small businesses, I mean, if, if it's a business that's less than 10 people, I think we need to allow them come to come back online with social distancing. And same with our restaurants. You know, we, we can do the social distancing. I think, Jack, you said the square footage number. You know, what's your square footage uh, divided by six, and you've got to remove half your tables. Because one thing that was brought up today by Mr. Wilson, our senior, that that there'll be a lot of people that won't feel comfortable going out to dinner, won't feel comfortable going out somewhere because they're in fear of it. So we're going to have that phase that we have to deal with also. So I think, uh, tomorrow, uh, Congressman Harris is coming down to the Botel, uh, Y river Marine. And I think he's going to end up at the, uh, Queenstown golf course, uh, to talk about that. And, and, you know, I, again, you know, I, I, I commend the governor for, for taking the bold initiative and doing what he did to, uh, save lives, but, you know, we got into this with no clear plan how we're going to get out of this. And our, our you know, and I hate to use economy as, as this, but, I mean, that that is going to be detrimental to so many families in Queen Anne's County and, and so many businesses, not to mention our Board of Education that we just went through their budget with. I mean, you know, they're, they're asking for $5.6 million, and we're able to give them $1.5 million. And that's going to be a stretch, with the projections that we're talking about financially. So, you know, again, I think it's time for Queen Anne's County to, you know, come, off, come out of that uh, holding pattern and, and get back to work. Again, those that are, that are uh, compromised or, or, or feel that they may be compromised, do what you've been doing for the past six weeks. Uh, but let's, let's allow the others to get back to work because, you know, I, one thing we didn't talk about tonight is, is all of our different uh, food distributions. And uh, you know, this week I got permission from two locations on Kent Island, two large locations that we're going to do these uh, drive-in pantries and these food banks at, and uh, we're now feeding well over a 100 percent increase of what we've been doing, and that number is growing exponentially the longer this goes on. So you know I, there, there is a trade-off, uh, and I think Queen Annes County's ready for it, and, and, and I support uh, us getting back and, and starting this process. now. So with that being said, if nobody has anything else, Mr. Wilson. yes, sir.
2: Yeah, uh, we had an announcement actually from Anna Arundel Hospital this afternoon, noting that the number of people coming into their hospital is about half aside from the COVID-19 people that had been coming heretofore, which means that a lot of people are not reporting in on conditions that they have and they probably should be there for so that The business of not going to hospitals, not getting medical care for existing existing conditions is really something that should come to an end now. These hospitals, they need the business, and you need to stay healthy by going there and getting the stuff done. I mean, at first, it it was all about keeping everyone out of the hospital so the COVID patients could come. Mm -hmm. But at this point... We really need to get back to the usual regimen of what it is that people should be going to hospitals, emergency wards, elective medicine for, because you need to take care of yourselves medically. And right now, the public is really not doing that, probably.
1: Absolutely. And that's a long term. Well
4: visits that, you know, the kids aren't getting their well visits, and adults, you know, we know that a lot of the chronic illnesses that we that people battle now are because of not going to get routine checkups of blood pressure blood sugar and, and now we're telling them don't go do that when they they need to there will be serious health consequences you're right and they're going
3: to be long term i mean it's things that are going to stretch out even past this that, that right. like you don't,
4: said don't ignore don't ignore your health because you're worried about covid if you if you have a condition you need to get checked go go to the health care provider i think part of what you're saying but
2: I think that's true. Anna Arundel is our biggest hospital, and we sixty percent of our cases go there. But it's true also in Shore. So, it's-
1: and they are laying people off. They are laying off staff because of what you're talking about. At first, they didn't want any elective surgeries uh, to go on, anything else to go on, because of the concern of the spread in the hospitals. Number one, and and then the bed space. And now that that's under control, that I, I think that you know that you're going to see that. They're going to be coming out, and I tell you, I'd like to see, you know, uh, Ken Cazell at our next meeting. I think that, uh, you know, the public could ask some questions of, of of him and what's going on there at Easton.
2: I think we're going to try to meet with him and, sure. and, and the Anne Arundel people and see what we can do to kind of get things back on track here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as opening up, I agree to that to the point that medicine and science agree to it. Absolutely. Okay. Well... Motion to adjourn. Motion.
4: Second.
1: All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you very much.